Welcome to another episode of Chan with the Plan, the podcast, a podcast providing career advice and easy, actionable steps for frustrated professionals, helping you overcome career challenges so you can stop feeling confused and defeated and start feeling focused and confident in order to excel in your career. And I'm your host, Max Chan. If you are a professional that's looking for a career guidance to get to the next level, then come join my private Facebook group, Career Advice with Chan with a Plan. In this group, I post daily content, providing job search tips and career advice to help steer your career path back into the proper direction to get to where you want to go. I will leave a link in the show notes for you to join. One of the biggest things that is going on right now in the corporate workplace is the emphasis of DEI initiatives, which stands for diversity, equity, and inclusion. Research has shown that the more diverse teams are in a company, the better they perform. And it's great to see a lot of companies are creating organizations within the company to promote and implement various DEI initiatives. However, with that being said, we still have a long way to go as there is still some industries that are still male dominated. And with that being said, That leads me to my introduction to today's guest, Martina Pickler, and she has been in corporate for more than 15 years, where she moved up the ranks in a very male-dominated IT industry. She is now a transformational and empowerment coach for aspiring women who want to access their authenticity, creativity, and vision to create a luscious life of their choice and receiving epic results through safe embodiment and conscious decisions. Now let's get into my discussion with Martina on how to accelerate in a male-dominated industry and maintain your leadership position. Hey Martina, how's it going? Good, how are you? Good. Thanks for taking some time out of your day to come on my podcast to discuss career growth, especially for aspiring uh, female leaders. You had a good story that I think would be great to share with my guests in regards to not being taken seriously when it came to male-dominant workforces or workspaces. So why don't we take a step back and talk to me about your career journey, uh, and then we'll get into the meat of it at one of the companies you're working with where you became a female leader. Okay, yeah. So thanks for, first of all, for having me. And yeah, so let's just start in the beginning. So, you know, after grad school, when I finished university, it was around 2008, when, you know, the financial crisis hit every kind of continent in the world. And at this point in time, it was very difficult to get a job, a well-paid job. So I was in a job search for three months. And then, you know, I was like, okay, let's just get any job that I can grasp. And then try to get my career in those company or at least get some experience in. Because as you know, when you start from grad school, the job advertisements are usually, you know, have 10 years experience, but be fresh from grad school, right? And know everything. That was a bit of a tricky part for me because I didn't have that much experience in whatever they were requesting. Even though I did a lot of internships, but, you know, internships is an internship. So anyway. So I started as an as assistant for a director of sales in a, a gas and oil company, which was a really good start because it was a company that had a very young team. They had a lot of money as well, you know, so I could see that I could have a development there and that would really, you know, promote me regularly, you know, because I could see how young talents have been gotten their promotions there. 
But then after one and a half years, I got kind of bored by being in corporate. You know, I took on a part-time studies as well because I wanted to deepen my knowledge in economics. And then actually I left that job to go to Korea to, you know, have an exchange semester for almost a year and really get free of, of work and just have fun again. And then when I returned back, kind of started again from scratch getting a job. So I was off for a year. And then I got a, quite a good position in a global and big insurance company. And that was really a cool thing because I knew also there I could, you know, have a good career eventually if everything fits. And then what, is, what was the first issue there was that the team I was working for, they were working 10 to 12 hours a day. And that was definitely not in my plan. I'm hardworking, but I don't want to sacrifice like 10 to 12 days per per as hours per day from Monday till Friday and Saturday come also in in the office. So this was kind of some some hidden rules there, you know, that and there was a lot of pressure as well. So I didn't want to really stay there. But then I was like, okay, but it's a good position, good company. So I just, you know, I just do it. And then the company for which I worked then for the past 10 years approached me and said, I have a really good profile and they would like to invite me for a job interview. And I was denying. I said, like, no, um, all good. I have a good position. Even though, like, from my heart perspective, it was like, this is not the job that I want to have for long, you know, because it's a, it's a, lot, a lot of work, a lot of pressure. And then I said, no, thank you. I'm good. And then it were really, the, the recruiter was really like, yeah, but let's just have a conversation. Just have an hour conversation. And, you know, you will love the company. You will love it. And she was very persuasive and I was like okay that's weird and usually you know they are not really when you say no they are fine with that but she was really like coming after me so we had an interview I really liked her and then you know everything kind of followed because then I got to introduce to my former boss and he was really a, a cool guy and the hierarchy was very easy and you know very low as well so then I changed my job and Glad I did because that was then also my start from, you know, an international project manager. So I had the whole international taste in my work. And from there, I really moved then from one position to the other. And then in my last two and a half years, I got this manager role slash leadership role in a very interesting time where the company globally was shifting, downsizing, and it was very, very challenging and full of learning. Great. So what are some like learning lessons that you can tell my listeners? Like, like one, of the, one of the things was like the work-life balance, right? Like you didn't want to work up to 12 hours a day. So yeah. how does one balance having a good personal life, but also contributing to the company in order to get ahead? Yeah. So it is, first of all, it's really important to know what you want as early on as possible. It's not necessarily from the position, you know, because sometimes you don't even know what you're going to do in two or three years, what's interesting for you, what you got, how, because you're growing, interests will change, right? But it's important that you know from your soul what you really want. And for me, it's not like staying in the office later than nine or 10 hours if, if there is a peak time, you know? And I just wanted to have, I mean, this work-life balance doesn't really exist when you really love your job, right? So it doesn't really matter then. So for me, it was important that what I do, that I really love. And then I also put in the hours, but I didn't want to be in a company where you're supposed to just work very long, just that you work very long, you know, regardless of the productivities. That was for me very important. All right. So why don't you walk us through your first role in leadership? 
And how did that go? In the last company I worked for the, for the 10 years, I had a really good boss. So he was with me for the first six years and we came kind of close. And very later on, late on, I realized that he's actually also my mentor, you know, because at some point I got another boss and I always found myself calling him or going for lunch with him, asking him questions because I knew I could trust him. And he was as I was in, working in IT and we only had men in any management or higher positions and women were usually in the back office or in operative functions, you know, I didn't have really anyone to, to talk to, a, a trusting relationship, you know, for example, for me, it was always important that I also negotiate my salary. Because I have been really observing how my industry is. I was reading a lot of books and I never saw anything what I did from a victim's perspective. I don't believe in saying that women have a disadvantage because that's for me a frame that I don't like to use. I like to see it from a different perspective. What can I do so that I can leverage my strength as a woman, you know, don't need to be necessarily very male or very, you know, put on a different personality just to, to fit in, you know? So I was really observing, I, I really saw what as an employee helped me from my boss, you know, or what do I wish other, like, you know, talking to colleagues and understanding what they were complaining about from, you know, their own leaders and just really observing what is a good leader for, for an employee or a good manager, you know? And throughout my journey, I saw that so many good people really with huge talents and really bringing in a lot into the company were leaving because they said like, yeah, my boss sucks or we just don't get along, you know? And I always found this very sad because the company loses a lot of people just because the chemistry just doesn't fit, right? And I promised myself, if I'm going to be a leader in this company, because I really saw myself for a long term there, I want to change it. I want to be here for my employees rather for my own agenda, because, you know, when you work for corporate and you have a really good boss, he puts you first. You know, and then he puts the numbers and everything that is important for the company a second. At least that's my perception. That's what I feel is a good leader, right? And he also connects you to the vision of the company or to what the team or the whole department is striving for. And is very transparent, you know, lets you in with lots and lots of information, is very honest. So those were the traits that I thought, hey, that's that's what I want to bring in as well as as a leader, you know. But I didn't know how. How should I ever get there? Because in IT, most of the people were engineers. They were speaking a very technical language. And I, to be honest, I had no clue about anything. I never did any engineering schools. And also from our products, I just knew the basics. And my university degree is in economics and in business, so not very technical. That is a huge disadvantage because, you know, how do I compensate that? So I was always trying to see what is it that I bring in so that I compensate that I don't come from a technical background. Then when the company was going through some changes and departments were changing here and there, there wasn't a possibility to get into a leadership position because suddenly something opened up and it was between me and a colleague, a male colleague. So the decision between the two of us. And my boss was really very supportive and said like, you know what, Martina, um, I will talk to the boss for this new position that you are going to be the one he should favor, you know, because you did a lot for the company, you're 
I see that you're doing really hard work. And he really did. So that was very, very positive for me because compared to, you know, my background, obviously my other colleague would have been the better person from the, just from the skills perspective, right? And yeah, then for me, a challenge, you know, to step into a leadership position that I had no knowledge or no experience before about, you know, getting a team of 20 people, all, all men from six different countries. And everyone knew me and everyone knew that I had no experience. <laughs> I was on no technical expertise, you know, so you can imagine that some of them were really afraid, you know, what this is going to be looking like if I'm taking over the team. Well, why don't you elaborate uh, with us some of the obstacles that you had to face taking on a team that was all males and you didn't have the technical expertise that they had? Yeah. So the number one obstacle was, ba was for sure the trust. So you come in and they see that you are younger than them. Most of them were way, way older than I was. They knew I have no experience in managing or leading and that I have had quite a promotion here. And then it was in a time where a company was downsizing a lot. So they had also a lot of fear and that's where the trust came in. So they were, because I know from some of them saying, yeah, in the beginning it was very difficult because we all were afraid of losing our job. And then there comes someone who has no experience and can we trust? Is she protecting us kind of? Does she do the right move, you know? So this was very difficult because you must imagine you go into a manager or leadership role and the first thing you do is you have employee conversations one-on-ones where you introduce yourself, where you get to know each other. So there is no such thing than a template. There's also no such thing as someone will support you, right? Because I'm not bringing in someone that helps me that through that conversation, right? So, and there is also nothing in university that prepares you for having such a conversation. It's a simple conversation, you know, but still, you know, how do you feel into that? And after 20 conversations, I kind of, you know, got the groove, but still, I remember the first conversations were very difficult. Also, because you can see that people are like, okay, who is she? You know, you know, is she just being nice, but nothing else, you know, so this is kind of a, was one of the first hurdles. And then, of course, I was in a, a leadership team of six other senior managers, and they had all experience in, in managing and company turnarounds and difficult situations. So we, we were meeting every week. For me, it was very difficult to, you know, follow their fast decisions and conversations. Okay, let's shift here and do this and there. And I was like, observing as like, okay, what do I say now? You know, is what I'm saying valid? You know, so you have also a lot of doubts in the beginning, you know, you don't know how they perceive you. And yeah, that's for sure an, another big hurdle. And then you have other departments who are kind of your competition or the, you're not in favor because, you know, you have different agendas. So I had, of course, a lot of colleagues coming to me and throwing stuff on my table, sometimes just to test me out how I would react or just think like that she will anyway fail in that or, you know, let's just see how she will handle that, you know. There were some of the colleagues that made my life not the easiest in the beginning, you know, because obviously I also wasn't 
the strong, very confident person that such says, you know, you know what, this is not my thing to do. You know, so you take on all the things that come like all the, all the work and tasks and then figure out how you're going to deal with that. Let's take a step back and go to the first one. What's some advice you can give in terms of like being a new manager and having conversations with the team that you're inheriting to make everybody feel at ease? The first thing I would do is find yourself someone in the company you trust as a mentor, someone that you can ask questions, someone who is in a similar position or had that position already, you know, don't be afraid to not ask for help and support. Because what I did was I knew I need to ask people for help and support because I had a lot of questions. So I went and, and first of all, I had my former boss, who was also my mentor, who I could ask a lot of questions. I could ask him, for example, that the salary that I was offered to me for that promotion, I asked him, is that a fair salary or do you think I should negotiate it higher? You know, so find someone that you can trust that helps you, you know, you know who is objective and yeah, who is, has also the best interest for you. And another thing is to first, yeah, ask, ask for help and, and make sure that you don't have to know it all, you know, and you can also find supportive function like HR. So I went to HR. I was really figuring out that there are some people that are really trying to support me and I build a really good relationship with them, a really good network, you know, with whom I could talk about if, for example, an employee was difficult to handle or I didn't know what to do, you know. I was also talking to the former managers of the employees that I got into my team, you know. So I was really seeking advice openly. I wasn't ashamed. And that's the biggest thing that you can do for yourself. Go and ask for support. There's no need to figure this all out by yourself. It makes life so much easier. And yeah, build a good network in the company, you know, people that support you, people that are on your side, because obviously you will have a lot of people that are the opposite, you know. So you want to have a lot of people behind you who support you when you need, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Like, like the saying goes, you, you don't have to know everything. You just, you just need to know who to go to for the answer, right? Yeah, exactly. Also, you know, you don't have to lean into if there is nothing to lean into. You know what I mean? So I don't pretend to be bold, brave, courageous. You know, I know it all. You know, I'm super confident. You know, I was just like, I want to be authentic, you know, and I wanted to give myself three to six months. So this was my agreement with my own self. I give myself three to six months to grow into that. No one can expect me to, to be someone who I am not because, you know, I just made a huge jump. So I want to take the time to really develop and grow into that. And I also went to my boss and said, you know what? I want to have a coaching, you know, outside the company. I want the company to pay me for developing myself into that leadership position who, you know, a coach who could give me advice and tips outside of the company, you know, and my boss really supported me. So he really invested a couple of thousand dollars into, into this. And in that position, when you go for, to a management position, I advise everyone and especially women to, to really take what you need. There's no need to be humble, you know, just go and ask. And if it's a no, go again. I mean, take a little time, but don't accept a no as a no, because especially women, when they hear a no, they take it as a given, right? But it's a no for now at that moment in time. That doesn't mean that it's a no in one or two or three weeks again. Really stand for what you need and maybe be resourceful. Maybe take it 
from a different perspective, different angle, and see how can you argument why it is important for you and for the company that you get extra training. Yeah, absolutely. Like you said, if you don't ask, you don't get, right? Yeah, you have to. No one will come and ask you, hey, do you need help? Do you need support? No one. You have to go and reach out. You have, you know, to forget about what conditions you you were conditioned in school or at home, you know, that when you ask, you don't know, you know, it doesn't matter. Here, it's really just give yourself the time to learn, to grow into and go and get it and be open to feedback. Also ask people to for feedback. You know, I was asking a lot all the time for feedback. My employees, I asked my leadership colleagues for feedback. Because I knew if I now bite into the sour apple to get feedback that might not be so nice, where I feel like, okay, damn it, you know, you will get so used to it and you will really grow from there as well. And that was so important for me. So I was seeking not only support, but also a lot of feedback and got used to being out of that comfort zone of only getting the good feedback because it's easy for people to praise you, but it's more difficult for people to give you constructive feedback because you're always afraid of hurting someone. But if you really ask, hey, whatever you think I could do better or wherever I made a mistake, please let me know. I I need to know. And how about the second one in terms of working with higher ups and showing your expertise and being a part of the team and contributing? Oh yeah, such a such a good question. And that was really a good question also for me in the beginning. And my answer was by just being myself and putting them first and show them that how much they mean to me as employees and not they're not my costs and they are not just a number. They really mean something to me. And how I did that was just I had conversations with them every week or every other week and really was supporting, you know. So I was listening. I was the first one that just listened to whatever they had to tell me. And it's usually a lot of complaining, you know, and I was just giving them the space to bring to the table what is concerning them, what is, you know, what pains them in their job, why they think they can't do the job better, what they need to make the job better. And I was listening and that was pumped to their soul because finally there was someone whom they could be, how they would talk to each other. Because I also said to them, you just let it all out what you want to tell me, you know, and by me stepping into the conversation and being very informal with them, you know, showed them they could be also informal with me. And just by time, when you are consistent also with your word and with your support, I mean, you just know if someone is sincere with you, you just know that. And by the time people, because in the beginning, I was just, let's say, helpless, because I didn't know how to steer that big ship. But then I was like, okay, I'll just be myself. I do my best and that's all I can do. And that actually turned it around so beautifully because people started to really trust me. And I also have to say that I was fighting very hard for them and for what they what they needed. And I have been transparent and honest with them as much as I could in my, in my position and told them that not everything that they needed or wanted is something I could give them because I was also restricted in, in, my, in my power, kind of. And they had full understanding. And then I figured out that it's not so much about what I bring them what they need or I support them what they need, but just that I listen. And I tell them honestly, I do understand this and that, but I have nothing in my power to make that better for now. So maybe let's find a way how to bridge the gap, so to speak, for you so that 
it's getting better for you. Let's be resourceful. So I also was very, you know, I, I tried not to overpromise what sometimes happens very often in, in leader, in leader positions, right? They promise you a lot of things and then you don't really deliver that. Stay to your word and stay true to your word. And if you promise something that, you know, later on you cannot keep, come back and say, I'm sorry, I said, I think something too early or I can't do what I said that I was able to do. Yeah, it's all about communication, right? Like when it comes to the workplace, when it comes to like huge issues, it usually is because of a breakdown in communication. Yeah, also about elevating other people, you know, or, or people, you know, by, by listening, by really being compassionate with them. So not like putting them down when they also people made a lot of mistakes in my team and mistakes that were not that small. So I was just protecting them as much as I could by to mitigate that, that mistake by not going with that to my boss or anything as much as I could. And there were some people that were so appreciative because, you know, when you make a mistake, nothing worse when you know it has consequences also for your boss. So I was always trying to find a way how we can solve it without making too much noise. Got it. And the last obstacle you had to face was the politics working with leaders in cross-functional teams, right? So how did you navigate that part of being a leader there? Yeah, that was I think one of the trickiest parts because, you know, they don't just care about you. They have their own agenda, especially when it's about a sales department, because they have to bring in their numbers and everything. And for them, everything is an obstacle. And they brought in a lot of issues on my table and were not always the, the, the most cooperative and most friendly one. Again, just, you know, stay true to your own agenda that you have from your function and say, you know what, our agendas in the company don't fit together, but we need to figure that out in a way that doesn't go hard on the employees, you know, and also brings an outcome for the company in the end of the day. There were some conversations that were not pretty, you know, because people can get really pissed when they feel that they lose money or when their bonus is at stakes, or if they feel like, you were just a burden or just a pain. And then you just have to hold that and don't take that personally, you know, because, I mean, I have gotten a lot of information about what people were saying about, about me and about, you know, about my gender, so to speak, you know. And I, I never took that personally. It was like, yeah, okay, that's just what it is, you know, let's just move on. And sometimes you just can't solve anything either because people are so, are not in the mood to, have a good conversation, an adult conversation where you're not screaming into the phone or screaming into the into the video call, you know. And for me, it was the calmer I was and, uh, you know, the less I was saying, the more I felt also grounded. And that's an energy that speaks more than anything else, right? And yeah, sometimes this alone helped to solve the conflict, you know, because I wasn't going into any discussion or any, any fight. So I was staying out of politics as, mu as much as I could. So how long were you a leader there before you moved on to your next opportunity? I think, now I think like two years. Two years, two okay. Two and a half years. So for the women listening to this right now, what is some advice that you can give them from your learning experience if they are a first time a manager managing people? Yeah, so again, find a good mentor who helps you. And where you can ask questions that you cannot ask anyone else, like saying salaries, that's a very that's a very special topic because you never know what your colleagues are all earning, but you know that's usually more than you do because they just ask for higher numbers, right? So for me, it was always 
asking the one I could ask for and then, you know, negotiate that as well. What I also would suggest for, for women is really, there are books out there that are really good and very helpful for me that make that the gender differences as a man, how men think and how men work and how women think and work so clear. So that helped me so much. And especially because you don't have to twist and turn your personality and think that you are wrong or that you are somehow not functioning well or, you know, it's just because men are just, they are fast in this, in decision taking, you know, they have a problem solved. And for me, for example, I always had to feel into that, you know, and I have to take some time and go for options. You know, my colleagues were, no, 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 let's just go for that. It's okay. Let's done. It's done, you know. And in order to understand that this is a very normal dynamics, it was helpful for me to educate myself on that. And this is really no joke. If you go into some of those books, there are also books that are especially for workplaces, you know, how men working, how women working. You have so much more understanding about your own self, if you're very feminine in your core, and about your male colleagues. And that helps you to navigate situations where you feel like, oh my God, you know, what should I say right now? Sometimes you don't have to say, you know, anything. Just you have that you have said anything. So definitely educating yourself. Do a lot of reading, you know. And there are so many strengths women have as, as leaders that are, first of all, needed. And second of all, that can really help the company the leadership team and the employees as well. If you know that, you know, you can also sell yourself better, you know, and you can behave more like who you are. Because women in, in, in a male-dominated industry very often tend to be very much in their male essence, and then they become very, very harsh, very, very bitchy. I have met uh, some women who have had certain positions, and then they are very competitive, and they turn into not in the nicest persons when, it, when they are in the workplace. And you don't have to go that route when you understand the dynamics better. Great. And if there's someone that's a female leader right now that's just starting, what are some assumptions that people are making of them that they are aware of so then they know how to like, control that impression or try to fix it as best as possible or reposition themselves as best as possible? Yeah, so one of the things is that you might not be taken seriously or that you just feel when you meet people and you got just a promotion or you say you are, you know, a manager or leader, that they look at you and, you know, that they think like, what, she, really? You know, and first of all, don't take that any not, not personal and just know that with your consistency and with your strength, you will just show them, you know, you don't have to prove anything. You don't have to be the loudest in the room. You don't have to come with the best solution immediately. Just do your job as best as you can. Seek support and stay and stay true to yourself. That's, I think, the best advice ever. And, it, and that's, you know, it sounds so simple, but it's so hard if you are alone, so to speak, because I didn't have a female leader that I could talk to. Because the ones that I knew were very much in their male essence. So they were very harsh. They were very like, you know, someone that you don't want to really talk about, you know. As I said, there is enough support in, in, the, in the company usually that you can leverage as well. Another thing is just really build a network in the company. And that's what I did. Yeah, In all the departments, I always, 
you know, found a person that where the chemistry fit, where, where we were coming along very well. And I nurtured this, those relationships a lot, you know. And that really helps you when you know a lot of people in different departments, in different countries, because those is, this is the network that helps you and your team to be the best team out there. A, a woman is really good in that. And this is also one of our qualities. We talk with different people. We are more into team, you know. Men are usually like, okay, that's the solution, or I will just do this, you know. And we are more like, let's get more people on board. So that's also a big plus if you have a good network. Yeah, for sure, right? Like the saying goes that your network is your net worth. Absolutely. 100% true. And I tell you, this helped me really to navigate my team through the darkest times. Because I have people where we really had a good relationship and we could, you know, figure out things and it was made easier on my employees, you know. So the better connected you are, the better it is. And I always knew that networking is good, but I never knew how to do that when I was younger. You know, I was like, okay, how do I do that? But it's the same with having friends or having a big circle of friends or a, you just nourish relationships with people that you like and pe- that on people that like you as well, you know? And yeah, I was always in the lookout for those people who were very helpful and could be of benefit for me and for them, of course. So you were there for, you said two, two plus years as a female leader. So what was their impression of you before you left? What I kind of achieved was really, first of all, my team was one of the best performing team. And I think that result alone spoke about it more than I could actually explain or that I could ever show people, right? So I had also the most challenging one because I had six different countries and two of those countries were the country that was always the most complicated from the cultural speaking, you know. So first of all, my KPIs, so my key performance indicators were really good. And also my team spoke very highly of me and I think that also says a lot you know that when you hear from other leaders hey your team or I talked to them and really impressed uh, how you developed and who you are and they are really glad you are here and now I'm out of the company for almost a year and I'm still in contact with many of them you know which still exchange emails and you just know that people appreciate you. This is something that you will never, ever be able to buy you, the appreciation, the respect. And that was for me this intangible result that meant more to me than any any revenue we got, like we, we achieved or any KPIs that were good. That was for me the number one. And that made me in the end really happy because I knew what I did was the right thing. And this was being authentic and not needing to know it all or pretending, you know. So that's that's the one thing that was outstanding as well. And yeah, I mean, I had the most challenging team and we had one of the best results. So that's what the company is usually, you know, after. That's great. And as you're aware, my podcast is about helping professionals overcome common career challenges. So you you did highlight a lot of the stuff that you had to go through in your career, especially as a female leader. What was one big roadblock that you believe was the one thing that you needed to overcome in order to get to where you are today? Taking this huge plunge into the cold water, not knowing how to do it, you know, like how to how to do my job, basically, you know, because, you know, when you do, let's say, project management, you you start and you kind of work in a team. And here it was, I was actually alone. So 
for me, this was the biggest block was just getting out of, out of my comfort zone and finding myself in that process, you know, compensating for what I didn't know with what I knew I could really, that I was really good in, you know, so figuring out what are your strengths and instead of focusing on, focusing on what I didn't know or on my weaknesses, I was just leveraging more my strengths. I am very communicative and I, I just know that I can trust that what I do will be the right move, you know. And if not, I will navigate it, take the ownership for when I made a mistake and go for it. So this was my biggest roadblock for sure, because as I said, no experience coming into a time where, also into the position in a time where a company was downsizing. And the biggest roadblock is, is what I said before. It's just as a female, finding yourself in a very, you know, male-dominated industry and also in a workplace that is favoring men more than women, right? And also, you know, knowing that I don't want to be pregnant anytime soon because I want to have that career step, you know? So there's also something that you have to think a little bit, you know, because I knew if I would get pregnant sooner, I will not make my career movement, you know, because it took me six years to to get there where I am, where I was in the end. How did you end up going to the next phase of your career as a transformational coach? So walk us through a little bit of like how did that all start? Yeah, so, you know, managed to be in this leadership position I then realized at some point, that's not what I want to do for the rest of my life. The politics as when you are in a certain position is really no joke. It's no fun. So that kind of took all my, my dreams away because I was like seeing myself in corporate for, for forever, I think. And yeah, thoughts that this is what I want to do. And I had no other plan B, to be honest with you. So my dream was leader and that's it, you know. So and then... I, I noticed that actually that's not what I want to do. Also because how it is in corporate, you know, you have sometimes to fire people, even though that doesn't make sense at all. You know, it's just because the, the CEOs decide to, to cut the costs. I figured out that this is not something that I like because people take decisions above you in the hierarchy that make no sense at all. Then I was like, okay, I think I'm better off starting my own company, but of course I had no clue what to do. And then I was again analyzing and assessing what are my strengths and my strength is talking to people, empowering them. And that's also where I found that I'm very passionate about, you know. So I loved my one-on-ones with my employees. It was one of my most, like these tasks I loved the most of my week, you know. And then I started to, you know, take some courses in NLP, self-development in like Everything I could get online or also uh, in-person training, a lot of books. And then I figured out that, yeah, coaching that I also had at some point was actually really cool. That's what actually I like to do. I then, you know, quit my job, moved continents and then started my own business as a, as a coach with already some paying clients before I then transitioned. So. That's awesome. Again, I really appreciate you taking some time out of your day to talk to us about female leadership and how to be a strong female leader. So you talked a little bit about like your work as a transformational coach. So how can people connect with you and learn more about what you do and how you'd be able to help them? So the best way to connect with me is on Instagram. And my Instagram handle is femmagical. It's F-E-M and then magical. 
that's where people can connect with me and ask questions, you know, because I've been in corporate for 15 years. So I have a lot of experience. So I'm not one of the coaches that has been a coach forever. I have a lot of experience in, in a corporate world, you know, so from being an employee to actually also hiring people, what to take care for or what to watch out for, you know. So yeah, I'm happy to to be of any help if someone has a question. Great. Again, I appreciate the time and best wishes in your business. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks again to Martina for sharing her insights and strategies on how to succeed as a female leader in a male-dominated industry. If you want to hear my own insights and commentary based on topics discussed in this episode, then make sure to check out ChanCap this coming Friday, available on all popular podcast platforms. So make sure you subscribe so you don't miss out. Again, if you are a professional that is looking to grow your career and take it to the next level, then come join my private Facebook group, Career Advice with Chan with a Plan, where I post daily content on tips to help you with the job search and tips to help you accelerate your career. I'll leave a link in the show notes for you to join. This is Chan with a Plan, the podcast. I'm your host, Max Chan, and I thank you for listening.